0: live from the Kia Arena. Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by NCR's intrepid Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa correspondent Timani Carryall of The Guardian is here. Hello, Timani.
1: Hello. It's, it's nice to be back here. I'm, I'm going to have to do, do much better and be more insightful today because we, we've been around the grounds and a lot of people have come up to Ben and Talked about how much they love this show but i've got, got none of the credit they no didn't that's didn't, not true got you got you
0: got you got somebody oh, one person yeah
1: <laughs> okay well we love him
0: <laughs> whoever he was you king yeah. thank you for acknowledging timani's greatness as well um i think i've well, i don't know maybe i'm more recognizable from a distance with the mask because my hair is such a distinctive mess i don't know maybe who knows but people should honor timani and his greatness uh, here in melbourne and worldwide really and and he <laughs> anyway on that note um we are here in melbourne we are in the new kia arena which is the new fourth biggest court of this tournament uh not a roofed court no roof here but it's a new 5,000 seat arena uh was named court one in the initial building phase and now they've unveiled it as kia arena making it the second sponsored arena here at the australian open they love their sponsors at the australian open uh, the only slam with uh stadiums named after sponsors is here here in 1573 Arena is also named after a Chinese liquor sponsor. There's some ambient practice happening in the background. Hopefully you can pick up some good uh, folio work for here. And we're trying to soak up good vibes because I feel like we were, we were, at, we were at, actually where we ran some of the people it was at the Nadal doubles match. that was out on court 13 yesterday. And the vibes were elite. It was really nice. It was great seeing Rafa back on court. Uh, good crowd, not overcrowded, but like nice crowd out on court 13. It was a really sort of small intimate venue seeing this 20-time slam champ.
1: It was, do, it was really nice. I, I do just love seeing, like, top players on small courts. It's weird, yeah. right? It's yeah. fun. Like, yeah, like, w- one of my, like, favorite, like, growing up as a fan at Wimbledon was seeing, like, Venus and Serena playing doubles on an outside, random outside court. Yeah. Everyone watching, you know?
0: It feels like seeing like, your favorite band at, like, a small indie venue yeah. or something. It, it's really cool. Yeah, seeing Rafa, like, on court 13, and I've watched lots of, like, qualies on court 13 over the year. It's just just cool to see, yeah, something transported. I even thought that with Rafa in Washington, honestly. like That's not something he'd done before, but court 13 at a 250 doubles match was another level of sort of obscurity in a way for Rafa that I just found really wholesome, again, elite vibes. The vibes got much less elite uh, about five hours later uh, in terms of the mood in Melbourne or surrounding the tennis when Novak Djokovic announced that he had been given a exemption permission, is what he called it, to play the Australian Open. And he was on his way to Australia to compete um, after having pulled out of the ATP Cup. Uh, it's a pretty last minute decision, uh, f- you know, announcing it's coming uh, already into January. Uh, his, his will he won't he about the Australian Open had been a subject of debate and speculation for months uh, after the it was made clear that there was going to be a vaccine mandate to play here, uh, to get here. Uh, but he has found an exemption. The tournament uh, clarified a bit. Later, that Djokovic had applied for a medical exemption and they granted one. He didn't use the word medical, Novak, in his, his post, but the tournament did. And the tournament said that he had, without disclosed... They get, they're giving like, more and more info, but not all of it. They said that there were, like, 26 applications... This is today. They said there were 26 applications for medical exemptions and that a handful had been granted. Um, and these are exempt, uh, applications from both players and from player support staff, so, like, coaches mm-hmm. um, as well. And that yeah so so Djokovic we don't know what his application consisted of I think is the main reason the speculation will continue um we do know now I guess at least that he's unvaccinated you don't need an an exemption unless you are unvaccinated so we know now he's unvaccinated which he'd been uh very opaque about for a long time and uh so we learned that that was definitive but we still don't know how he got it there's a I honestly was surprised that he got it because having read the at least the top lines of the the rules for medical exemptions, it made it pretty clear you had, they the phrasing was like acute major medical condition uh, that made it seem like someone who's in shape enough to be an elite, active, world number one ranked athlete, or even anyone, honestly, in any of the draws at the Australian Open uh, wouldn't qualify for that for medical grounds. But there are a couple other line items that people have latched on to. It's a speculation, again, research about how he got in here about potentially having a very recent COVID positive. We've not heard that Djokovic has been COVID positive in the last recent months. Um, we know that he tested positive after the Adria tour in 2020, along with several other players there. But yeah, it's, but it's 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 been something that, like I said, the vibes have not been good. The people have been immediately very angry about this on social media. Australians were, were pissed about it. They woke up pissed about it. It's been a major news story here. Uh, the whole Djokovic saga has gotten a lot of attention over recent months. This is obviously the conclusion of it. And it's a result that is ticking a lot of people off in in Australia, and I'm, I'm curious, Tamani, uh, as you uh, what what you think of
1: of of the news and the reaction, just your your thoughts on this in the last twenty four hours. I mean, the first thing I'd say is that it's kind of regard it's kind of relieving that the will he won't he kind of yes, saga is yes, over. Yes. 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 But it's again, it's kind of not. It's just another chapter. It seems with more more discussion, more frustration, more. It's you know, such an exhausting story. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, it, It's it, it's just been a lot, and I, I'd also agree that I was quite having you know read the criteria myself. I, I was also surprised, not su- well. I, I didn't expect 100 percent that he'd, he'd get the exemption, particularly given just the the bizarre sight of the whole tennis world being. most of the tennis world being in Australia while he's, you know, practicing in Spain waiting. Yeah. You know, in exile. Yeah. (laughs) Waiting to to see if his his flight was going to come. Um, And yeah, and and, and now it was, you know, as we speak, he's in the air and, you know, there's still developments happening. We, you know, and just we'll see what happens from there. I just feel
0: like this has nothing to do with the concept of Novak competing this tournament, like if the best conclusion to the story would have been Novak says he's vaccinated, comes, plays Australian Open, competes, you know, as planned, and it becomes a sort of, make it sound, you know, I don't know, too strong, but like a conforming member of society who keeps up with sort of the expected, you know, what everyone else is doing. This also comes at a time after we learned from the ATP, that they say now that 95 out of their top 100 have been vaccinated. That's a much bigger number than we'd heard before. Obviously, tennis players were very, very slow to get vaccinated on both tours, uh, not just the men, And the numbers were only around, you know, 50, 60% around the US Open. Oh, sure. And the rules, the understanding of the rules that vaccine, vaccination should be required to come and compete at the Australian Open was a major motivating factor for getting the most stubborn players, or lazy, if you want to call them that. It wasn't always clear how much of it was like principle, how much was just inaction or disinterest in vaccination. That was really important for getting some of the, the stragglers over the line. People like Tsitsipas, uh, you know, has said in the recent weeks that he's been vaccinated after holding out for a long time. and so. Having Djokovic come out now and say he hasn't been vaccinated and yet competitively in Australia won't face consequences for it, I think, again, within tennis, I think is rubbing people kind of the wrong way. And I, part of me wants to just simplify it as being just another example of star treatment in tennis. Like, you know, last year here, we weren't here, but last year here, Djokovic and other top players were given different nicer accommodations in Adelaide uh, while the rest of the players are holed up in uh, in a Melbourne hotel with less space and less amenities and less access to courts and fewer people and so on and so forth and there's certainly attrition of star power a uh, star power and star treatment antennas I don't know if that's what's happening here because theoretically I mean Craig Tiley has, has said you know it sort of Tried to vouch for the independence of these councils, or uh, sorry, not councils, but you know, uh, boards who are approving or looking at these applications, and said they're anonymized. I'm not sure how anonymized that might be. If it's like anonymous 34-year-old man from Serbia, you know, who has a uh, certificate here from Belgrade Medical Clinic or whatever, like who knows how anonymous these things are or aren't? Yeah. But yeah, it, it just I I just feel like it. The way that this is done, it's going to leave a bad taste in people's of mouths, and I feel like you're right. I feel like the story does continue from here. And there's still sort of like cleanup work left to be done from it.
1: And, and we, we don't, you know, we definitely don't know what's what he is in the kind of application and no. and and the re, the exemption and the reason. But you know, as, as we're kind of discussing, you know, just before we started talking, um, we do know what his, the stances Djokovic has taken, you know, in, in regards to you know alternative me- medicine, just his general. Outlook and, and the indication that he was not in you know I mean as he, he was not interested in in be, being vaccinated and he, well not in for COVID and yeah. you know we, ideally for him he would not he would be able to play here without doing so so Novak you know. came out
0: against vaccine against COVID vaccines before COVID vaccines yeah, existed yeah, exactly. by a long time I mean, it was like April or May of 2020 when he came out with his first statements saying you know sort of didn't want there to be any mandates for vaccines and wouldn't trust the vaccines necessarily this is again months and months before they've been discovered or created or anything he was already kind of sounding those alarms obviously in, in spring 2020 people remember also his long chats with uh that health guru guy uh on instagram live whose name Turvin jafaria i think his name was who was just complete quack and just, like, absolutely nonsense health stuff about being able to change. But Novak also was very much in this conversation, too. He wasn't just listening. He was participating and saying things about being able to change water with positive thinking, the molecular structure of water, positive thinking, and nonsense like that, and spreading a lot of disinformation about health at a time when there's a health crisis in the world. And then, obviously, Adria Tour goes against sort of global currents of where sporting events and, and COVID were, everything shut down in the pandemic, Adrian Tour popped up, and yes, they got support from local Serbian officials, but worldwide, it was clear this was a complete outlier event, and then it did turn into a, a, a string of positive tests there. In a way that I want to clarify, because some people try to compare Adrian Tour to the Abu Dhabi exhibition. Abu Dhabi was keeping in step with what was going on in the rest of the world. It obviously, came; there was a very new wave hitting at the same time yeah. as Abu Dhabi, but it wasn't this outlier you know, complete non-sequitur event happening in the world. Anyway, so I I just wanted to throw that aside in there. People, I saw Djokovic trying to compare the two and say that Abu Dhabi is even worse than Adria And I just think they're philosophically different events in the sort of COVID timeline, Uh, even if the positive case test is comparable or higher in Abu Dhabi. Anyway, yeah, Djokovic has come out as recently as the U.S. Open against the idea of vaccine mandates. And so this is not just someone who happens to have a medical condition right this is not someone who we didn't know that he had you know i don't know what would qualify you like only a quarter of a lung or something and and he it's it's remarkable that he's been playing this well and it just so happens that he got the right paperwork to do something and who knows like it's it's not that with him it's it's the it's sort of him getting his wish in this way that in which the wish has always been anti-science has always been anti um you know seeing the pandemic is sort of a, a team sport in this way that we all have to work together and, and do our part and show responsibility it's those things getting validated that i think is causing a lot of the, the strain particularly in australia which has had and talks a lot about its own covet experience they frame it here as ha- having had it harder than anywhere else and in certain ways they have if you have it by um, the strictness of lockdowns. So they've not had the deaths of other places. If you want, to, that's a, obviously a real measure of severity of the pandemic. is how many people are dying. And by those measures, like somewhere like Florida where it's loosey-goosey, but all your friends are dead is, you know, is a different kind of bad pandemic experience. But they've had very strict rules here. They've really abided by them, really tough. And I think that particularly kind of fly, this Novak news particularly flies in the face of that sort of ethos of we're all in this together. We've all made sacrifices while we're hard, which the Aussies, uh, I think, hold
1: really dear. So, I, I mean, just to add to that, I, I just think for those reasons that there's cynicism and yeah. is quite understandable and expected. And yeah, I, as you said, like the, the easiest solution would have been for, you know, Djokovic to be vaccinated. I'm, yeah. I'm in, interested to see like the, like the, the I mean, as we're talking and, and as he's flying under um, the, the government put out a, 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 you know a statement talking about the federal government, fed, federal yeah. government about um how they control the borders yeah so. and and so it's it's even a kind of a political discussion because whoever seemed to be kind of hard on him will could gain something politically yeah so i mean the, the whole thing has just, I, I hope so. people I, I, if
0: you've been following the sort of this story for a while, or even COVID last year here uh, in the scope of it. I hope people from other countries can appreciate how big of a story this is in Australia. This is like the lead story on yeah. news programs here. Front, it's front one, page, yeah. The this paper. one player's eligibility to compete at the Australian Open becomes this massive discussion. It's partisan, largely about how passionate they are about sports. And also it's this like story, which hits all these boxes, you know, of like, of being sports, of being also like health crisis, of being knowing it'll make people angry. And there's a lot of things about it that I think really appeal to the media sensibilities here. And obviously people really care about it. You know, that on Twitter, the news is blowing up very quickly. Word, you know, all sorts of Djokovic terms trending yeah. quickly last night, nationally here um, and other sort of choice, you know, insults at him were trending or whatever. Like it's, it's a big deal here. And yeah. it's, it's something that, you know, obviously we just went through this with Peng Shui a bit, you know, having a, a really big crossover story. Um, but in some ways, domestically, this feels bigger than that in terms of in Australia. Yeah. Um, it yeah. feels like it's just such a, it's so symbolic of a lot of things, and people, yeah, just do take incredible umbrage
1: at it, and yeah. so. And and I think like, both last Australian Open when obviously there was a lot of criticism of Djokovic, and and this one, they've come at like specific times. Like last year it was you know shortly after Melbourne had come out of um well Victoria had come out of of long lockdown you know a yeah. few months, and this year it's as Omicron is kind of, you know as we we discussed as well, like, kind of, it's it's widespread. It's, this, there were, you know, there were more, I think, more cases in the first couple of days than last year or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so there were
0: more cases, more positive cases of COVID in Australia in the first three days of 2022 than there were in all 2020. Yeah. And obviously a lot of that is attributed to how incredibly low their cases were in 2020. They did an incredible job keeping COVID out of the country and really having a COVID zero strategy that did hang on for a good while but now the floodgates have opened and now like there was, lo- there was a line of like hundreds of people on my block of like presumably symptomatic people uh, right outside my yeah. door of my place I'm staying this this today yeah. and it's hitting hard and so people are exhausted and people are frustrated they've had lots of restrictions on travel they haven't been able to see get their own exemptions for things so, like I want to travel interstate to see my dying mother yeah. and those things have been getting turned down and then so to get Djokovic and I know there's a lot Can't of like even... sort of righteousness in that sort of like in you know it,
1: you know Playing heartstrings, whatever, in this moment, but yeah. people do see drugs through that lens. Yeah, and even like basic things like, you know, again, as we we're discussing, that trying to get um, rapid, you know, the reason why there are such cues is because it's, you know, there, there's, there aren't as many like testing sites as there should be. It's, you know, I was, when I arrived, and you, so to, to come here, you need to test within 24 hours, and I was trying to find a, a rapid. Uh, rapid antigen test, I think they call them here. Rat tests, yeah. <laughs> right. They call them that. Yeah. I was trying to find a rat and yep. couldn't. They're just they, they were not available in, in any of the stores I went to. So there's just a lot of frustration and then you have again, the the kind of you have the world number one tennis player exempt from you know the the requirements that a lot of people well, almost everyone has has to go through and that's that's where the anger comes. So it's gonna be interesting to see what
0: happens with that anger. There's still a long time till the first matches of the ushering up a main draw are played. There's still 10 days, roughly. Um, and there's a lot of, there's time in there for Djokovic to potentially tell his story and give more information in ways that might make people more understanding of him. I, I good luck with that a bit, um, but and all, there's time for also the anger to quell from people sort of accepting that he's here and just kind of going with it. But it's going to be, it's interesting to see. And the one of the main questions I've been getting, you know, and doing, you know, some radio hits or whatever about this today, is like, what's the crowd reaction going to be like? And tennis crowds are not built to be hostile. It's not a sport that has hostile crowds in the, the sense of a normal hostile crowd in a sporting environment. If people do not come to tennis matches to root against someone, to see someone lose, to boo, especially first week, like I imagine, for the most part, people find Djokovic, you know, objectionable or distasteful or whatever, they'll mostly just not go watch him play. They will go to... If they're on... They'll go to another court or if they won't buy tickets or won't tune in. Or they'll just cheer for their, his opponent. Yeah. I mean, which kind of already happens a lot. That already ha- like Obviously, like the whole Jeroen match at the US Open where the crowd yeah. was going nuts for whole Jaroon against Djokovic in the first round. Yeah, that was that was some of that for sure. And, and they were shouting, Rune and, and Djokovic, oh, they were booing him. So, yeah, I mean... <sighs> It's 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 just again the vibes are bad. It's it's really what I want. I want to I want to stick to most, first and foremost. I feel like NCR gives you updated coverage of the vibes, and the vibes are bad. And, and it's just like it's just like it's frustrating because like the vibes were so good before this, and at the same time we knew this was this damn ecclesian thing hanging over the sport with the Djokovic status, and there was going to be news eventually. But yeah, it, it's I I just wish she had been vaccinated because all of his peers or 95 of his peers uh, in the top 100 made that choice to do it. Uh, I'll mention Tennis Sangren briefly. Tennis Sangren who's a two-time quarterfinalist here, barely hanging on to the top 100 in the rankings, made the choice not to play the Australian Open because of the COVID vaccination rule. And he said this, and he's also said and he, uh, to me that he chose not to apply for an uh, exemption because he looked at the list and didn't think it applied to him. Um, and, you know, take that for what you will. Like, I think that's at least, you know, a more coherent response than being against the rule was still trying to play, in my sort of perception of what Australia tried to make the parameters of this tournament. But anyway,
1: yeah. um, so, so I mean, I just say that talking about like the reaction to Djokovic, it's in kind of his hands how much he wants, to, how much he decides to kind of reveal about application if he says anything. If, if he's, as you know, you know, he's he thinking. already made a choice to reveal the exemption, which he didn't have to do. Yeah. He could have just showed up. We wouldn't have
0: known. I thought there was a real chance he would show up, and we wouldn't. We wouldn't know.
1: But yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's that's going to be interesting to see because he, he was obviously, but before um, this year, he was very coy about you know about his writing status and about just weaving, dodging questions. So it, that's going to be interesting because there, there are many questions to come. So. Can yeah, I just a, especially
0: being here and seeing the. How do I phrase? I don't want to say the creep of totalitarianism that feels extreme, but like the the really intense checks they have here for for COVID contact tracing. You're to like you're supposed to scan, in every time you enter a, a store, a coffee shop, uh, a restaurant, uh, the Australian Open has them at the door to sort of show your location and always be have your the government monitoring where you've been at all times. Here, and I think almost every, everywhere, at least in my place I've been during the pandemic, your vaccination status. Is very much not a private thing you are granted access to places because they check your vaccination status and you're able to to go and obviously australia as a you know walled off country is that way and so i just i just i'm saying this to sort of get at i don't buy that someone's vaccination status is private medical info that's somehow sensitive i think it's very much a, a public yes or no and this in the interest of public health this is a communicable disease we're talking about that's contagious it's causing a pandemic and I think it's there's some duty towards transparency that every citizen has about their vaccination status. That I would like to see inform how Djokovic talks about it in the future. I don't think you can say, oh, it's, it's private. I don't want to get into this, especially when it's become this much of a flashpoint. When you've already raised that you've gotten an exemption, I think it, I think it does. I'm not sure I'll get satisfied with his, his response to that, but that's sort of just how I, I think. I, I don't I don't see it as something that's uh, particularly. Um, yeah, it's particularly private or sensitive or, or something, and this goes this goes to larger topics in sports, or not larger, but different topics in sports, about the like TUEs, you know, which therapeutic use exemptions, where people get permission to use substances that would be otherwise banned by WADA, is should those all be secret or not? I think that's a fair debate, and it probably does depend on the context of what your condition is. If you're saying you have asthma, like I thought that's a lot less sensitive than saying you have chlamydia, you know, like whatever whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I just think it's... Again, the vibes... I wish the vibes were better yeah. on the first show of the year, you guys. I apologize for the vibes. It's not a fun vibe. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I think we should move on. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on to um, something else I don't have especially positive feelings about, but we'll get through it uh, together. The ATP Cup is the flagship event sort of, of the first week of the calendar as it's been rejiggered since 2020. It debuted during pre-COVID and was um, an event that took place over three cities in uh, Sydney, in Brisbane, and in Perth, and then the finals in Sydney. Um, and now it's just in, last year it was just in Melbourne, and now it's just in uh, Sydney. And it was sort of, it was really got a big role, and there was a lot of ATP, organizational corporate enthusiasm for this event. It was going to be their big team event. It's was going to be a really kind of flagship thing. They totally remodeled the beginning of the tour calendar, which had some pretty, you know, robust events in terms of uh, Brisbane, in terms of Doha, which was a big 250 in the first week of the year. Uh, Hotman Cup was also in that slot, was a beloved event for a lot of fans, we'll get to that. And ATP Cup came, I think it was okay in the first year, I think it was kind of fine. I I remember having an overwhelming feeling being at ATP Cup in 2020, of being like, this is fine, but I don't know who asked for this, I don't feel like it was filling a void that necessarily existed. And then it's just I just feel like it now is an event that really no one is engaging with, and do, people don't seem to fans don't seem to care about this event, and doesn't seem to be engaging people in this first week of the year. And it just seems like this missed opportunity for for more or just normal normal tennis. I yeah I, I don't think it's working, and there's just some we'll get into details of why not, but um, or I'll say more about why, why I think it's not. But what do you, what do you think about ATP Cup in its its third
1: third iteration so far? Um, um, yeah, I think the, the the novelty in the kind of first and second editions has worn off, and I mean, initially in, there there are and I mean were and still are kind of good points in it. You know, the obvious kind of positive ha- ha- in the past has been seeing top players face each other from the first week of the year. Like yeah. you had like Djokovic versus Medvedev in twenty twenty, or you know that kind of thing. And Djokovic Medvedev and
0: Djokovic at all. That, yeah, that exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, yeah, and that that I mean that's what kind of helped to give a kind of it's, it's relevant credibility, credibility yeah. uh, initially um, but you know as I guess so I'm, I'm going to talk about also why it's not just you know there, there are a lot of kind of downsides you know the the golfing some of the some of the, the players you know there's, there's a reason why you know in, in Davis Cup in Davis Cup you know teams get promoted and the best you know, ideally the best teams you know face each other whereas you know because, because of the system whereas the highest ranked player you know that 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 leads to you know, some mismatches and just
0: this is, the, this is one of the biggest conceptual problem with it on just sort of a maybe this is tweakable in some way kind of way is there's it's been on tv in the press room here you know just on the big monitors atp cup and there are so many matches so many matches to feature players who are just not of atp level and like this is the atp cup it's just like it has atp in a name you think it'd be more representative of the product and yet it's just like people who are just are ranked way outside of it. If you know, like Georgia, maybe is the most flagrant example of this. Georgia qualified in one of the last spots because of Basilashvili's ranking. Um, got him into, you know, being eligible and he brought his Georgia teammates and now oh, he hasn't been playing. Basilashvili got them in and then pulled out of the event. And so there are Matches being played by Bakshi and Metrovelli me? who's, who's the grandson of, of a, of a yeah. champion Soviet player, um, but himself not a very accomplished player, the grandson. Um, and not to pick on these individual players who, you know, are trying their hardest, but, like, you just look at it and it's like it's really patchy quality, the matches. It's a lot of quantity, especially being in, you know... Um, maybe more in one place, I'm not sure. It's it's all kind of happening at the same time. Two arenas in Sydney are hosting the event, including one completely indoor arena, which is interesting for an Australian warm-up event. It's kind of weird. And yeah, it's just like, I, I just don't think it's very, I don't think it matters in the sense of, like, there being stakes. I don't think anybody
1: cares who wins the ATP Cup. No, and, and especially not, like, three weeks after, four Davis or five Cup, weeks yeah. after the Davis Cup, you know? With a very similar um, format, aside, very similar, you know? yeah, and yeah, I, I haven't, and I just just a lot of the, I don't like, I'm not cra- crazy about the format in general. Just the, the three rubber ties just aren't no. appealing to me, and yeah, there's just a, yeah, it just it already feels kind of stale, and that there's so many, you know, in, in order to have this ATP flag, event that attracts players by bringing a pot, you know, the points. And, and things like that. It's it's just there are a lot of like very clear and obvious flaws to it. Yeah. I mean, the points being, you know, the points distribution being. There's wonderful. so many points. Yeah, and, and like the. And it's really variable. The, yeah, exactly. And, and if you're the, you know, I mean, take Rush, You know, if you're Andre Rublev, obviously he hasn't been played. But if you're Rublev and you're the second player, you're your top ten player, playing against and but you you'll get fewer points than, you know, you know for a win. Again, if you're playing against the, the opponent's second player, then you know they're, they're just things things like that that just it just doesn't work for me. I and, just and, I just and, don't as as think they point. need yeah. it.
0: I think it's okay to I think it, I'm all for innovation and in trying things in tennis. Like yeah. good for you for trying. I just don't think this works. And I don't think it's going to work. I don't think people in tennis are tribalistic enough to get that behind national team competitions that are not going to be that are always be held in Australia, which is very yeah. far from almost any other country. Yeah. Um, New Zealand is the closest per country probably. They're not really going to fill the team ever. Uh, at least not in our immediate horizons. They have no singles players to speak of. Um, Unless we boot Cameron Norrie. Home. Ah, there you go. Cameron Norrie could defect, um, and he would qualify a New Zealand team if he was if he was a Kiwi. Yeah. New Zealand would get in. So and food for thought there for Cameron Norrie. Um, yeah, it's it's. I just I just don't think it works. I just think it's it's an it's, it's as Randy Jackson would say it's a no for me, dog. It's it's. it's you know, it's, that was a terrible reference, but, it was very bad, yeah. but, you know, you got it at least, which is good. Um, I'll make my Fantasia crying as I walk off and do more American Idol references. All respect to Diana DeGarmo um, and what's her name? Jasmine Trias. But I will finish this thought by saying I liked the old system. And obviously a lot of this, this was a pre COVID world in some ways, but like the term in, in Brisbane was great. Hopman cup loved i put up a poll which i tried to make as unleading as possible saying like tennis fans which of these did or do you prefer atp cup or hopman cup and it's gotten like four thousand votes or so at last i checked and it was 76 to 24 in favor of hopman cup that is decisive considering how like tennis fans are always like kind of balking at exhibitions and don't think exhibitions are like lame they are not buying into this like very real big money big ticket
1: production atp cup and it's just not resonating it's yeah. not it's not working and i mean you know and we talk about this quite a lot, but I mean, it would have been cool to see them at least again, like try and see if it's possible to put a combined event and actually put money and effort and you know, I mean, the amount of effort they put into ATP Cup into yeah. kind of making it a thing rather than just like a novelty exhibition event.
0: And that and that's doable, especially in yeah. this era of tennis united, where there is some cooperation between the tours happening not like complete merge but there's more and more you know shared resources between the tours let's say that um there would be absolutely an opportunity to do something like called you know tennis united cup or united cup or whatever you want to call it and and make it a combined event and have it more interesting and just be have it have its own unique flavor that would have that would have more of a, a purpose and granted that being said hopman cup apparently is coming back in 2023 i've heard I I think the speculation in france is where they're going to bring it back like before the french open maybe um we'll see how that goes which is but that's not the right place for it maybe but you know but it's still good to have it get resurrected it's a it was such a it was such a great property and it's just like tennis australia just like not understanding what it had with this and getting learned by this atp cup money i think it's it's frustrating but you know again it's okay to try things as long as you learn from your mistakes and, and undo them. Especially because that the final Hopman Cup, which I was at in twenty nineteen, was so good. It was the one where Serena played Federer. It had a really great final with Serena. Sorry, with with Bencic and Federer winning a, a deciding point doubles match against Varev and uh, Benchich. It was just like really nice, nice tournament with good crowd and everything. It was like you just had Serena Federer's like really unique experience and like which was like big news around the world that those two finally played each other. And like, and now you're just going to get rid of it and, and throw me the other Metrovelli. Like again, none, none respect the other Metrovelli, but like, it's just like it's it's just it's a weird misfire. Um, and I, I do appreciate. I'm sure the, the those guys at the Metrovelli's and the who who is like the number two player from Moldova, the year that Albot Qual qualified a team, and uh, other kind of obscure guys, really do relish the opportunity yeah. to be playing TV matches on big courts. But it doesn't. It's not a good showcase when it's a completely empty Ken Rosewell arena. I will add though very quickly. Don't be judging this event by the attendance, because there's a p- pandemic spiking in Australia right now, and stadiums not being full is completely reasonable. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: And I'd say, I mean, on that point, like the positive is that that there are smaller con- countries that wouldn't normally have a chance to face, you know, the big countries on big stages. You know, like a an Radio duo, or even like Stefano Tsitsipas, because yeah. you know. No, Norway beat the U.S. In, in ATP Cup. Like, Norway beating the U.S. in
0: a tennis competition, like, four years ago, would have been unconceivable.
1: Yeah. So, so, so that, that is a positive of ATP Cup, but I just... Yeah, I I, I don't... I agree that I don't think it's just an incredibly appealing event. And so, you know, But again, like, particularly as, as a similar event that also has this many issues, happens five, four or five weeks earlier. Yeah. And so...
0: It has issues, oh, yeah. but at least it also has heritage. Yeah. Like it still does feel. I think the Davis Cup is like it does still feel like Davis Cup. And it does still feel like there is sort of the national playing for your country pride in a way that I don't personally sense watching ATP Cup on TV. I mean, yes, there are countries by you know teams by country, but the national federations aren't involved in it. It's kind of just like a random coach picked. It's
1: less I mean, of a Liam Brody is, is the British, which is a Great Britain. That's kind which of fun. Is great. We, we love it, but like <laughs> it's not quite the. Let's take this incredibly serious, you know. Liam Brody, who was holding back laughter as, yeah. as Jamie Murray was asked about Djokovic today.
0: Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we now turn, I guess, to here. I've, we've been here in Melbourne, uh, here early, like we were in this new arena. What do you think of the arena, Timani?
1: It's a nice arena. Yeah. It's a nice arena. It's very clean, you know? no rubbish, no, no trash, as you'd say in, in these days. We like it. <laughs> the rubbish and trash will come when people show
0: up here. But yes, it's, uh, it's it's pretty. It's nice. I'm a little bit surprised they didn't add a roof um, just because it would have been another option. Maybe they don't need a fourth roofed court. Maybe that's not considered necessary. And it's, obviously, it's a lot more expensive. But it's kind of weird seeing this stadium. It's like, it looks like it could have a roof, but not. Maybe
1: they'll add one later. I'm not sure. It looks like it could. looks like something that could get one added. It looks pretty sturdy. So, this is also one of the tournaments that doesn't really i mean obviously for heat but it doesn't need one as much as not some all, other place not tons of rain you're right
0: yeah that's fair um so let's see here we talk about nadal playing doubles nadal was playing his doubles while andy murray was losing in the first round of singles as a wild card here um sure, yeah it was a wild card right into even to this tournament yeah i think so yeah. uh lost to facundo Magnus in the first round not a good loss for for andy um earlier that day there had been a win in her comeback from uh i should say we're awaiting rafa singles comeback it's going to happen tomorrow i believe uh and we saw the comeback when although it's not that long a hiatus really uh, since the u.s open for naomi osaka but obviously it was a very purposeful departure from the sport saying she wasn't sure when she would return. she said herself afterwards impressed that she thought it'd be a much longer break than it turned out to be and that she got her sort of her sort of will or her hitch her to play tennis again and she played a scratchy match but I really liked her attitude during it. I think her positivity was really there, and... Um, and Some comedic bursts. And, well. some comedic verse and some comedic bursts, and some jokes. Um, and she just seemed loose in this way that, like, um, I'm not sure her coaches will love from a competitive level, but in a way that made me happy uh,
1: as, a, you I mean, know, someone who, who wants to see her doing doing well. I mean, I, I, I imagine and kind of hope that her team, that's also what her team are looking for, right? More than tennis just that she's happy on court. And, yeah,
0: well, yeah. I, I, and that's the main thing. Yeah, Because yeah. that was the issue. That's why she stopped playing, because right. she wasn't happy on court. Um, and she was, in, she was really interesting in press. She had a really, really long um, not really, really long, but a 15, long, 15 minutes long-ish press conference um, including the Japanese. Oh,
1: oh no, it must have been like 17, 18 minutes. So, okay. So
0: then, um, yeah. But on the long side press conference for sure. But she had a lot to say and she was really interesting and open and one of those great press conferences from her what she had a knack for was she said a bunch of things that you want to like flag for later and follow up on. She gave a bunch of, she was uh, more revealing than usual, but she was also saying like she felt, wasn't sure that her team would sort of like be ready ready to come back to her. She felt like, you know, then happy that they did. Um, she's still with Wim Pacette, uh, who's been a coach since 2020. Uh, yeah, it's it's it was really nice to see her back in a good headspace. And I don't want to go too much, you know, granular on what she was saying, her answers and stuff, but I thought... Overall, she seemed like she was, you know, these things can change, but for now, she seems like she's in a, a good spot, and, uh, and you know, it's sort of prior to prioritizing the right things and talking about winning not being the only thing, which is, again, it's an easy thing to say before you lose, yeah. um, but uh, I, I I was optimistic and, and,
1: and hopeful and just happy to see her back on yeah. board. And, and, like, comparing to just remembering how she was when she came back at the U.S. Open, I think she was, she seems to be in a different, completely different headspace, and yeah, she, although she kind of expected to be out for longer, she she was out long enough to kind of, you know, to to, to take some time away to to think. She said that she spoke with, you know, her her family, she, like, opened up to people around her, her friends, that she's not really someone who normally talks to, like, who normally tells people problems and, and she was and she was open about kind of having been thrown into the sport from a very very
0: young age not growing up with a lot of friends something yeah. she said I thought was you know pretty revealing in this in this press conference and yeah it's sort of learning to communicate her her feelings and be open about it and process things and there's all so much going on in her life at all times with her profile and everything she's doing being able to talk about that was really was really helpful um, yeah. for her and so yeah I'm just it was that was the vibes were good. The vibes, the were, vibes good. were really good. Yeah, Again, the vibes had been really good here, you guys. Like, I want you to know the vibes were elite. They were so good. They were so good until they weren't. And well, what can we do to get the vibes back?
1: For some good tennis, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tennis is have to do it. Yeah. We'll move on. I mean, the Djokovic thing. Like, and this is maybe why he won't get booed. People will like, including you know, players and media or wherever else is annoyed by this revelation. He will you know accept it and we'll move on it's the fact that he's going to be in the draw he's going to play uh, he very well could win the tournament um and set the record under the <laughs> wild time to win it to break an all-time record under this sort of cloud but he can do it and we'll move on from that and the vibes will get better i, I hope they do i hope I, they, they have to the vibes were just like were really rock low bottom, today yeah, it was rock bottom vibes it was bad vibes yeah. and i i want i want to thank you for helping the vibes today i want to thank these players down here for playing some nice sounding tennis hopefully for you really helping the audio vibes uh listen some more positivity to to round out things We're trying to think of anything else like good vibes so we can end with here (laughs) (laughs) i know there's like results vibes oh shout out um and gosh i hope Courtney's back on the show soon but shout out to sam stoser um who is playing her final singles matches this month she lost but looked really Solid, incredible in a 7-6, 7-6 loss to Lin Zhu today. And that was good because I honestly, she's been playing really poorly. I wasn't sure if she'd be a competitive tennis player this month, uh, given where her ranking is and where her form is. And she took a really bad loss last year to Pagula, I still remember it she just got blown off the court. And so I hope that she, it's been a rough place for her results-wise, Melbourne Park. But I hope that she does herself proud and gets a, a good to great send-off from the crowd here. Yep because she was the best Aussie player of her generation, uh, man or woman, for that stretch. Uh, she deserves it, and we're big fans of Samantha Chain. Also elite vibes, by the way, at Dumplings.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, go for it. Well, yeah. no, just just dum- Dumplings, Dumplings Plus in Melbourne. Uh, advertisements, and, and, and Zhang Shuai for at least for dipping her head in. And <laughs> 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 then, then <laughs> Zhang Shuai was, then, was then, not
0: the advertising for it. Zhang Shuai came in, looked at the menu, and left. Yeah, so yeah. not a great endorsement from Zhang Shuai, but we love Dumplings Plus, so we're good to be back there. I'm trying to be, you know... As COVID safe as I can be, as the Omicron wall is closing around. But I was like, I am not coming to Melbourne, and not going to. I'm not going to come to Melbourne without going to. Sorry, have I, it's like a double negative coming up here. Hold on, I can't go to Melbourne. <laughs> I say this if I'm let me bring it positive. If I'm in Melbourne, I have to go to Dumfries plus There we go. That was I'm a writer technically, but that was hard to say. I, I really wanted to go there, so I was glad to 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 put it on, put it, to, to, to risk it all for for I mean, Plus. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna say? That's overstating it? <laughs> a bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hope. It, meant, it, meant to, it meant a lot to me. It was lovely having you there. Um, you. And hopefully we have many more times here this month. If not many of our colleagues outside the Brit Pack, the Brit Pack is showing up here, but not many of the rest of the world's press is coming down for this, um, including Courtney, including Reem, Carol, lots of sort of friends of the show type people are not going to be here, but we'll be here um, and a couple other people, and hopefully we'll be able to bring you more fun stuff from throughout the, uh, the month. So thank you Tumani. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. So thank you very much to Tamani for being on the show. And thank you to all of you for listening, especially our Patreon backers. And it's our first episode of the month of January. So we have lots of people to thank all of our Patreon backers, starting with those at the on tour level who include Peter Frey, Matt Mitchell, Rachmir E, Greg rails, Olivia Haynes, Jeff Augustin, Deepa Moksha Gundam, Ido Pollock, Nick, Laura Vergani, Maluko Hope, David Ebershoff, Ken Solomon, Kathleen Sharkey, Stephen Tidings, Danielle Hartzell, Horatio Silva, Joseph Haar, Reginald Bazile, Misa Miyagawa, Annie Kim, J.B. Wogan, William Dobson, Andrew, The Body Aidser Podcast, Andrew Eccles, Ninja Steph, Joy Katz, Greer Millard, Bridget Robinson, Ava Marshallkova, John Fisher, Harish, Elise Panyich, Kate S., Jeremy Blackstock, Dermot Harkin, and Lori Porter. So thank you to all of those backers, and we also want to thank our Slam Champ level backers who thank on every episode, Antonio Maycumber, Sean Mulroy, Leia Williams, Susanna W., Ashley Keel, Mary Carello, James Hindle, Liz Kennel, Anna Valinder, Jonathan Weinbaum, Timothy Liu, and Jean Simeon, and our GOAT backers, Pam Shriver, and J.O.D. If you want to join them, our Patreon is at patreon.com slash nochallengesremaining, and we thank you very much for listening. More for you hopefully soon and during the month of January. We also recently recorded uh, an episode of the NCR Movie Club about uh, Wimbledon, the movie, if you want to watch that. That probably won't come out until after the Australian Open, I think, when things slow down a bit. But that is something we have in our hopper for coming out soon. If you want to revisit the Kirsten Dunst Paul Bettany rom com, very, very divisive movie, and an interesting way for something that's really very benign in a lot of ways, that's there and yeah talk to you soon enjoy the tennis Goodbye folks i got to keep those loving good my
1: precious wither God.